The City of Ohio State podcast takes a deep dive into the support services that keep OSU's Columbus campus running 24-7. Hear from industry experts in facilities, construction, real estate, public safety, transportation, and more. The City of Ohio State podcast is brought to you by the Office of Administration and Planning. Go Bucks! Hello and welcome to the City of Ohio State podcast. I'm your host, Dan Hedman. In recent years, college campuses and K-12 schools have become victims of violent attacks, with Michigan State suffering a tragedy earlier this year. Ohio State's Department of Public Safety works hard to create and maintain a safe campus environment, and today we'll dive deeper on how the university prepares for the unthinkable. My first guest is Ohio State's Public Safety Director, Dr. Monica Mall. Monica, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me again, Dan. Your public safety team is responsible for what is essentially a city within a city here at Ohio State. Each day, 100,000 people are on campus. We host major events and are home to our own medical center. What does staffing look like on campus for public safety, both with your sworn and non-sworn personnel, and what surveillance and technology supports these folks? Well, we have five different divisions in public safety, and among those five divisions, we have uh, both frontline staff and then support staff that support their work. For example, we have about 70 police officers, uh, around 42 security officers for uh, the main campus. So those are people in security uniforms that do not have firearms and are not police officers. And then we have another around 92 security officers devoted to the Wexner Medical Center uh, in the medical buildings. And then, so those are the ones that you would see out and about behind the scenes, the ones that support those uniformed personnel are uh, approximately nine alarm and video monitors. So they monitor all of the 4,000 plus cameras across campus and all of the alarms, intrusion alarms and other things that come into our dispatch center. We have 10 911 dispatchers and then six supervisors that can also dispatch and support the work of those AVMs and dispatchers. Uh, so, and so that allows us to do live monitoring when incidents happen. And uh, also in addition to those 4,000 cameras, we have about 60 license plate reader cameras that we can also use to monitor what's going on. So a team effort for sure. OSUPD has an authorized strength of 70 sworn police officers, you said, and those are the personnel that responded in an active attacker situation. What type of training do police go through? How often and why is that important? They go through annual active aggressor training, and that is training that is specific to an active aggressor attack. But uh, there are other skills that they train on that support their response during an active aggressor attack. And that would be things like scenario training, firearms training that they go through annually. So they have a whole host of mandatory training, but do spend time every year specifically on active aggressor training. I know the training that uh, Officer Alan Harushka went through prior to the November 2016 attack came in handy. We often say it's scary to think about, but this can happen anywhere at any time. Back in 2016, when Ohio State had an active aggressor situation on campus, an individual drove his car through a crowd, got out, stabbed 13 people. Fortunately, that day, police were nearby and ended the threat in less than a minute. What did you learn from that situation? 
Well, we learned many things. We did a complete after action review, but I'll just mention some of the highlights and then a couple of these things I think our director of emergency management will go in more depth with you on. But we did learn that when we give uh, sort of a, a Buckeye alert that recommends sheltering in place, that we need to give more frequent updates to our community, even if there's not new information to share about the incident, um, if you're sheltering in place, you probably wanna hear from us every 15 or 20 minutes at least to let you know that we haven't forgotten about folks, we're still working on the incident and that we still want you to shelter in place. So that was one thing that we learned is more frequent updates to the community. We also learned that we might uh, we needed to provide more specifics in our run, hide, fight options. So we had had a video and since then we updated it to, especially on the hide portion of that, that and make it more specific to how it might pertain to rooms on our campus if you're sheltering in place and hiding. Um, another thing we learned is that more of our classrooms needed exterior or interior locks on those doors. We also learned that it probably wasn't the best idea to try to lock exterior doors in an active aggressor attack. Uh, some exterior building doors that were locked uh, prevented people that were looking for a place to, you know, shelter in place to get into the building and they had to go to another building. And so we learned that we should be focusing more on that hide portion on interior rooms in buildings and locks on interior rooms. And then one final thing I'll mention that we learned was that our students uh, seem to be more prepared uh, in their run, hide, fight options uh, because they had had previous training in K through 12 and that we had more room to improve with making sure our faculty and staff had access to training and, and were up to speed on those options. So we sort of redoubled our efforts to train faculty and staff. Interesting, interesting. We mentioned the tragedy at Michigan State off the top of the show. I know you have regular meetings with your Big Ten public safety colleagues how important is it for law enforcement agencies to collaborate, share lessons learned like you were just talking about to make everyone everywhere safe? It's so important. We all need to learn from each other. You know, one group we check in with regularly, as you mentioned, is our Big Ten public safety colleagues. And although we're very competitive in sports, uh, it's not that way in public safety. We lean on each other. We share best practices. We meet monthly to share lessons learned from any incidents that have occurred on our campuses. And we like to share any innovative ideas, programs, or technology enhancements uh, to make sure that we're all benefiting from what each of us learn in our own environment. Well, we certainly appreciate all the work that you and your team put in, and I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, we'll bring in your emergency management director, Robert Armstrong, next. But before we do, Monica, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Dan. Ohio State's Director of Emergency Management and Fire Prevention, Robert Armstrong, joins us now. Robert, we heard about staffing and preparedness from Monica. Expanding on the preparedness piece, the university has released several videos, including a 2018 Surviving an Active Aggressor educational video. This is on the new student and staff checklist as required viewing. What are the key takeaways for our listeners as described in that run-hide-fight method? Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. Uh, so the phrase run, hide, fight, that's really important to remember. You know, most of us, uh, we remember being taught stop, drop and roll by the fire department growing up. Um, I think that's been around for decades. But unfortunately, in today's world, you know, we have to also add run, hide, fight to that. We have to remember both of them. So our videos, 
teach what each of these mean. They give you some pointers on how to pick which one to do. And every situation is going to be a little different. Uh, when an incident is occurring, you need to take all of the information that you have, as limited as it may be, and decide what your best course of action is going to be. Um, for example, you may start to hide, and then based on the available info, you decide that you're better off running. It, it's going to change depending on as more as you collect more data and as, as more info comes in during the incident. So these videos, they're not going to tell you exactly what you need to do in every situation, but they will give you the tools that you need to make a quick decision. Now, on a side note, you know, we have two videos uh, that we produced. The first one was in early 2016, I think it was. Um, and then we created a second updated uh, video in 2018 following our the incident we had back in 2016. Part of the after action report that we did uh, mentioned that there were some things missing from that first video. So we created a second one. And, uh, you know, both of those videos um, actually won regional Emmys and they're very well done and provide a lot of information and by the way, you know you were an integral part of that uh, the creation of both of those videos. So kudos to you and your team. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, I appreciate that. So run, hide, fight is a registered trademark of the city of Houston and a really well-known term, which is why the university uh, uses that. We will put a link to that video in the podcast episode description in case anyone wants to watch. One thing highlighted in the video that uh, the university would utilize the Buckeye alert system. These messages are often sent via text message when a situation occurs that causes the campus to take immediate action to remain safe. Robert, can you explain the technology that allows you to push alerts so quickly and where else these messages may appear? Sure. Um, so, you know, our Buckeye alert system, you know, it's really set the bar nationally uh, when it comes to uh, emergency notification on college and university campuses. Every year we, we get, you know, a number of institutions that will call us. We even have some that will come to campus uh, to see how we do emergency notification. Um, we've, we've learned from, you know, from our, uh, you know, mistakes in the past. We've learned from others. And, and we really think we've, you know, we've got a good, uh, uh, a good system set up here. Um, we have about two dozen ways to communicate with the, with the campus community. Some of those methods, you know, they're near instantaneous. Others take a little bit longer. Um, you know, the, the type of incident is going to dictate uh, which method that we prioritize, how we send out the alert. For example, you know, an, an alert sent through the OSU mobile app, the Rave Guardian app, and the uh, classroom and desktop kind of pop-up, um, those are delivered almost immediately. You know, within 15 seconds of us activating the system, those will reach the end users. You know, where email, on the other hand, you know, we're sending an email to 100,000 plus people. That's going to take a little bit longer. That can actually take 45 minutes or an hour uh, to be delivered to, to everybody's inbox. So what we've done is we've empowered our 911 dispatchers to be able to send an alert if they believe that something is occurring on campus that requires the campus community to take immediate action to remain safe. They don't need approval from a supervisor. They don't need approval from anybody else. They have, they've been empowered. They have the authority to send that initial alert out to the campus. We want to get that alert out as quickly as possible. Um, when they, there's a, a series of buttons that kind of sit behind them, you know, at their, at the 911 console. And so they can turn around and just hit that button and that immediately launches a generic message. When they hit that, that generic message is going to go out via text 
It's going to go out via uh, the desktop and the classroom pop-ups, uh, social media, such as Twitter and Facebook, the emergency management and the police uh, accounts. Um, it's also going to go out on the OSU mobile and the Rave Guardian apps. Um, so this message is going to be posted also on some of the electronic signboards around campus. Um, you know, there, there's there's signboards inside the Ohio Union and inside some of the uh, some other buildings, as well as the uh, clock tower that's up in the uh, uh, North Res District. Now, this first message, it's pretty generic. Um, it's going to tell you that there's an emergency occurring on campus, and that's kind of to prompt you to uh, to start paying closer attention to your surroundings, you know, what's happening around you. Um, you know, for example, if there's an active aggressor, the message is going to be very generic. It's going to say urgent Buckeye alert. Active aggressor has been reported on the Columbus campus. Run, hide, or as a last resort, fight. Police responding. More info soon. Doesn't give you a whole lot of details, but at least tells you that something is occurring and you may want to start paying closer attention. Now, our so goal Bob, I want to interject here. So yeah. to reset for listeners, if something happens on campus, uh, you know, something unthinkable, um, it requires someone to report that in uh, to the 911 center. That's the first step. So it's really important. People call 911, let folks know you're on Ohio State's campus and what's happening. And then those dispatchers have a button they can turn and hit that's going to send a preloaded message. And then that probably buys you a little bit of time because uh, you're able to get something out immediately to let people know. And then there's a follow-up message within a few minutes, most likely. Yeah, yeah, good question. So our goal is that within two minutes of them, you know, send, of our dispatchers sending that uh, initial generic message, within two minutes, we want to be able to log on to the system, send a much more detailed message that's going to tell you, you know, where the incident is occurring and maybe give you some, some suggestions that, you know, you should, you should some steps that you should take, uh, some additional instructions. Uh, you know, but that first generic message, it's really meant to get you to start paying closer attention. Maybe you take your earbuds out or start looking around, start collecting some of that all important data that you're, you can use to make a decision on whatever your next steps are going to be. You know, so I think it's important to note here, like these are all layers. So Monica talked about the staffing that's in place. Uh, you've talked about these alert notices that go out. We've talked about the training that happens in advance. And at the end of the day, what everybody has to realize is if this situation were to happen, police will be responding as soon as they know. Uh, they'll be responding to the area. So you run, hide, fight based on the information that you have until police can get to the situation, which back in 2016 occurred in, you know, under a minute. Uh, uh, so that's that's important to note. Uh, OK, Bob, a few years ago, the university spent more than one million dollars to add classroom locks in about 50 campus buildings. This supports the shelter in place directive that could be sent out in those messages you're talking about, those Buckeye alerts. The locks are for classroom pool spaces, but there are also locks for lecture halls. And in addition to locking doors, I wanted to ask you, what can folks do to barricade if running is not an option? And then if fighting becomes necessary, what a public safety officials advise? So kind of that hide or fight portion. Yeah. So the, um, you know, the, the you mentioned the door locks, the, the project, uh, to install those door locks, you know, came after, again, it, part of that after action from 2016, it was a lesson that we learned where there were requests from students, faculty and staff to put locks on door locks. We listened and, and we've done that. And, um, you know, I, I want to mention that, you know, depending on the classroom that you're in, you, you could have one of three different type of locks. It could be a thumb turn, it could be a keypad or a blue pull station, similar to the, the fire alarm pull station. 
Um, you know, here recently, AMP Communications, your team, uh, put together a, a video that shows how to use these locks. It's less than a minute long, and it's really well done. I would encourage, you know, students, faculty, staff who are on campus uh, to watch that. Um, yeah, trying to answer your question a little more. So, you know, keep in mind that it, 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 even if you're in a room where the door does lock, that's just one tool, uh, you know, that, that you have. Um, there are other options that you you can you can take advantage of. Um, you know, you can you can stack items up in front of the door. If there are, you can use a belt to kind of you know uh, secure the door so it can't open. So even if you're able to lock it, you want to take all these other steps to try and delay the person from being able to get in. Um, anything that you can do to kind of you know delay that person, as you mentioned, the police are going to be there very quickly. Um, you know, make save as much time as you can to allow the police to be able to get there and to end the situation. And then, if, if fighting becomes necessary, you know, swarm, group, um, throw objects. I mean, those are some of the things in our active aggressor video, correct? Yep. So, it, yeah, absolutely. So, if they are it's able, a last resort, it's a last resort. It is a last resort. And if they are able to get in, you need to be ready to fight for your life. Throw anything you can at them. Grab a fire extinguisher. Spray them with the extinguisher. I mean, heck, you can even hit them with the fire extinguisher. Do whatever you can to subdue them or to get that weapon out of their hand. You know, this is not a time to fight fair. You have to be aggressive and you have to fight for your life. Okay. Well, thanks, Bob. Of course, the situation and what people choose is dependent on the information they have, which we've said. But we do appreciate you, your fellow public safety and law enforcement partners, and the work you do to stay prepared. As I said earlier, we will link to the active aggressor video in the podcast description, so look for that. Please watch it. It's sad that we have to have these conversations, but I do appreciate you joining us today. Um, Robert Armstrong from Emergency Management. Thank you very much. The City of Ohio State podcast is brought to you by the Office of Administration and Planning. Until next time, be kind and go Bucks.